Transmitters? We don't need no stinking transmitters! Saludos! This is Joseph Puentes coming to you from deep, deep, deep in the heart of El Monte Rojo, Carolina del Norte. Today's show is really a family affair. I'm interviewing my sixth cousin. Yes, that's right, sixth cousin, Rosalinda Ruiz. She is a top-notch researcher who has been able to trace one of her lines back to Spain via her ancestor, the governor of Nueva Vizcaya. She has plans to one day make a field trip to Spain in pursuit of more information. For help with today's intro-outro, I want to thank Beethoven, Greg Patchett, Abel Solano, and my tío, David Quesada. Listen to the end of the interview for Abel Solano and my tío David's full rendition of the classic, Sabor a mí. You can contact me directly at http colon forward slash forward slash NuestrosRanchos.net or you can send me an email to LaFamilia at NuestrosRanchos.net or you can leave a short message at 206-339-4134. Enjoy the interview. Hello? Hi, Rosalinda. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. Anyway, so... Basically, I was, uh, don't, first, don't let me forget to get back to your governor and the new findings that you just recently found. Uh, maybe t later we can talk about that a little more. But sure. right now, I'm interested in why you decided to search for your family roots and what got you interested in, in searching. Great. Yeah, um, actually, my story is kind of an interesting twist on an interesting twist. Um, first of all, I remember in, when I was a teenager, I, I took a biology class in high school, like most of us do, and I looked at a, a biology book, and, and the biology book was a, gene, a genealogy of Queen Victoria's, um, Queen Victoria's family tree um, related to hemophilia. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I could trace my ancestors to, just to see, you know, what was there? Um, but I didn't do much with it um, because at the time I was a teenager, so I was interested in other things. A few years later, my brother has a genetic disease, and so he, uh, uh, we went to go visit the geneticist, and he asked a question. He asked me um, about my family tree because they were trying to trace the origins of my brother's disease. 
and uh, we weren't able to get much further back than great-grandparents, and uh, that was the extent of that. But it, in my mind, it made me think about, you know, where did I come from? Um, because I am basically like a second or third generation American uh, of Mexican descent, you know, I really was curious as to what, you know, where my family came from and what the roots were. And that's how I started. I started by asking my grandmother and, and interviewing her and asking her about her relationships and her relatives. And then I asked my other side, my grandparents on the other side, you know, about their relatives. And my parent, I've asked my parents. I asked any relative that I could about what they knew um, as best I could and recorded that information down. That's but unfortunately, um, I was about 19 or 20, um, I didn't pursue it at that time. Um, I thought it would be too hard um, to go to Mexico and look for um, uh, those records, uh, the time involved, the cost, and plus I wasn't really sure I could find the town since not all of my relatives knew where their ancestors came from. They would sometimes know the state, but they didn't necessarily know the city, much less the rancho. So that got me interested, and then I started after a while, maybe a few years of just poking around, um, I had a, an event that changed my outlook. So you were 19 or 20 when you initially started, and then a few years later you got more heavily into your research? Yeah, about, about I would say about three, maybe three or four years ago, I met a cousin at a, a distant cousin, like a third or fourth cousin, at a wedding, um, a family wedding. And she, I didn't, I'd never met her that I could remember. And somebody mentioned, oh, you know, that's your cousin, um, Angela Ureña. And I said, well, Ureña is a very unusual last name. And, and I found out she was my cousin. And so I asked her, we asked her some questions. And at the, about the same time we were planning, my family and I, my parents and I were planning a trip to Mexico. And we wanted to trace where my grandmother was born. And Angela, her mother, um, um, was still living in that town called Totatiche in Jalisco. And so she gave us the contact of her mom, and she also talked about a genealogy book, a family genealogy book that was written by the town genealogist, town historian. And I went ahead and, and made a contact, you know, uh, uh, from, uh, uh, made a contact of her and uh, kept in touch with her, and, and we've been, you know, corresponding ever since. And she was really my insight into the genealogy books of Totatiche. I never knew such things existed. And when we went to the town, um, we met her mom. Her mom ended up being my grandma's third cousin. And they wow. remembered each other from when they were young girls. That's great. So we, it was like a full circle because we didn't know each other, um, but then we found out we were related and that there are, you know, my grandma and her mom knew each other from when they were little girls. Genealogy really does bring families back together again. It does feel like it completes a puzzle oftentimes. So she's been like the, the key. She was like the key that unlocked the door. Because once after that, and then I started ordering films um, at the Family History Center. And then um, I went online and used, I uh, used the familysearch.org website. And it's just been nonstop. So where, where are you studying? At what, at what Family History Center are you using? Um, well, um, I'm studying at the Chino branch. Um, in California, and they pretty much know me there. I'm the resident um, genealogy person for, uh, for Mexico, 
um, if they have questions or anything, they usually come to me um, and they ask me questions. And they, they're pretty much, um, <laughs> I've pretty much taken over a drawer in their file um, file cabinet because of the, my, so I have so many films there, but, you know, that's what I love to do. I like to look and research and, and track down the people I'm related to, so. So, so what states in Mexico are you uh, researching? Well, actually quite a few. Um, from all of my families, uh, I'm not really concentrating on just one family. I'm concentrating on as many as possible. So I have Aguascalientes, Jalisco, Zacatecas, Guanajuato, Michoacán, um, let's see, San Luis Potosí, and there might be a few more there, but those were the, the ones I concentrated the most on. Um, and in my pursuit of genealogy, I disc I've discovered my parents are cousins. They're related to each other, and they did not know that when they got married. <laughs> and uh, it kind of, again, completed the puzzle because then it kind of helped to explain in my mind why my brother had that um, disease because my parents um, are like really distant, like sixth or seventh cousins. No. Oh. But they're cousins in multiple ways. So yes. It's kind of a scary thing. <laughs> yes, but six or seven cousins, that's way back. It's distant enough, but still, I mean, it kind of explains why, you know, we have this, you know, disease that, you know, is kind of rare and came up with my brother. So can you tell us a little bit about how you're actually doing your research? I mean, are you using any kind of software programs or uh, explain maybe a little more as well about the Family History Center and how you're finding information from them? Sure. The first thing is I have two software programs. Um, right now I'm using Family Tree Maker, and I have also have the PATH, the pa uh, personal, I think it's personal ancestry file. Um, that's through the Mormon Church, and that one's free, so I went ahead and downloaded it and use it. The reason why I have two is um, it would be more convenient if I could just use one, but unfortunately, in some respects, um, each program, actually fortunately I should say, each program offers me things that the other one doesn't. Um, I would love it if they could consolidate and make it one fabulous program, but um, certain charts like relationship, like for just a, one example of a difference between the two, um, family, the family tree maker, um, when they does a relationship calculator, when it calculates your, the relationship of two people, it will only note one of the relationships. So if I'm a cousin, like for example, um, one of our me group members on Dronchos, he's my cousin like almost 30 different ways. We're up at about 28 different ways right now. And maybe 29, I think we're all working on one more line. Um, and so um, Family Tree Maker would not show, he, it would only show the w first relationship that it found or the closest perhaps. But the path um, actually um, shows you every single way you're related to somebody. So say I, you know, when I when I looked up this um, uh, group member, I I counted up the you know several different ways, the twenty over twenty different ways, were related, and it shows you, it even shows you how they're connected, which ancestors and things. Have so you, found you know, I use those two because each of in turn offers something the other one doesn't, and it does a pretty good job of keeping everything. So I'm happy with those. Boy, and 20, then, how many and how many different ways did you say? Twenty different I ways. I think um, the last count was something like twenty-seven or twenty-eight. I we're working on another you. line. We're pretty. I'm pretty sure that we're related in another way also. So we're we're getting closer to thirty now. Oh, that's that's interesting. I've never heard of that many relation. I mean, I crosses it's, in your families. Right, 
And it's because he has, um, he's from, his ancestry is from Tototiche as well. And um, a lot of his ancestors are, are the same as mine. And it's just, you know, in repeated forms, different ways. Um, but each, in turn, makes us another cousin. So he's not just a, like a, just a cousin of one way. He's cousin so many different ways. Oh, great. Yeah. So we're excited about that. We're working on we're working on the on, the, on another way though. So. Uh, and in terms of the family history center, um, I had av- generally avoided that because as a as a newcomer to that, I was hesitant. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know to what extent, um, you know, what kind of energy that would take or how much money. And so the family history center actually is very helpful. They um, well, my particular branch, um, they maybe don't know that much about Mexican genealogy, although certain branches, I understand that what they've told me is um, certain branches sometimes have specialties, um, and, but I went to this one because it's the closest one to my house. So I went ahead and I went in there, and, and before that I went online and I, and I found out the film numbers from their website, um, film numbers that I, I, and I estimated, you know, if I didn't, I, a lot of times I didn't know dates. I knew my great-grandparents were probably married in this town or born in this town, but I wasn't really sure the date, uh, and most of my relatives had no clue. So once I knew the names, um, then I went ahead and I approximated when they might be born, because on average, Mexican um, adults usually get married anywhere from 15 to about, you know, 22 in that range and so I usually shoot for that and then ordered films baptism films and the baptism films are fabulous because oftentimes not always but sometimes they have the grandparents names listed and then I would go to the IGI um, website to the I'm sorry to the family search dot org website type in those names and found out when they got married and um, what their other children were and I just started inputting all these people into my database so now my database for various towns in Jalisco and Zacatecas is quite extensive. That's great. Um, and uh, I found that the Family History Center, um, it was convenient. Um, you order the films. It's a little hard on the, those of us who are impatient. <laughs> you have to wait a few weeks for the films to come, uh, especially if they're back um, ordered. But once you get them, you know, you sit there at the machine and you just peruse the films and, you know, you'll start to see family names perhaps that you recognize. And uh, I just started writing it all down and kept track of it. And I extracted several films um, with just family names. And uh, so that's uh, Kitty and I are working on that together. Kitty Cortez and I are working on that. So are you making copies off of the films as well? Well, um, for those of, uh, in my direct line, per- yes, I will, I will make a copy. Um, because so many people in this town are related to me, it would probably be cost prohibitive for me to, to make copies of every single person that I'm related to. Um, so I usually generally do it for the ones who are my ancestors, but um, some of the films that weren't in the IGI or in the Vital Records Index, um, I went ahead and extracted and I wrote down, I just simply wrote it down on a form I made um, myself because I didn't want to spend that much money on, on copies. But I know where to look now, where I can find them. Well, the suspense is killing me. Tell me, how far back have you gotten in your research? Um, well, the furthest uh, documented date I have right now is 1653. That's the birth date of my governor. And, um, but, however, I do have other ancestors that reach further back, but no dates. 
so, for example, in that Sagrada Mitra um, book that I just purchased recently, um, it has um, it has dispensations, and it will note the relationship of the couple, how they are related. So I was, and then, and uh, many of these marriages are in the early 1700s. So you're actually able to go back sometimes two or three generations into the earlier 1600s, perhaps first half of the 1600s. Um, but they don't offer dates; they just offer names. So I've been able to do that a few times um, from that book, and so I've I've been able to go back further than 1653, but no no documented date. So you mentioned your 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 governor. Yes, my governor. Ex- explain how you got on his trail and how you were able to find your way to him. Maybe some important documents along the way that were pointing you in his direction. That he's your relationship. What started, well, of course, I was working backwards. Um, once I clued in from my great-grandparents um, and I got their parents' names and their parents' names and their parents' names, um, I would go further and further back. And so I was collecting marriage documents and copies of their marriage documents, copies of their birth documents or baptism documents. And on one particular ancestor, um, um, his he was... Uh, married to in Colotlan, and he is, let's see, Carlos Eusebio uh, Fernandez de Cordova, and um, eventually the family dropped off the Fernandez part, and they just go by Cordova, and um, I found his marriage record, and I noticed oftentimes it will tell you where they were born. The priest will write down the city or the, the rancho or whatever, and I noticed this name of this, uh, what I thought was a rancho in that area, it was one I had never read before, and it's called Paral, P-A-R-R-A-L. I thought, well, this is curious. I mean, I've never seen this before. So then I went on a website. There's a website. It's a, uh, a geographic uh, dictionary kind of thing. And you look up, you can uh, look up every any rancho or any city in the area or in Mexico. And uh, I went ahead and I typed that in, or I looked it up, and it said it was in Chihuahua. And I thought, well, this is strange. I didn't, I didn't ever expect him to come from Chihuahua. So I went on the familysearch.org. I typed in his name and looked under Chihuahua, and there he was. His baptism uh, record was noted in the city uh, in Chihuahua, Parral. Uh, and so I thought, wow, that's incredible. So I had taken a trip to Salt Lake City to the main library. Um, I was there with Kitty and Rich Cortez, and they were help- very helpful. And one day, uh, one of the days I was, oh, I think it was the first day I was there, I was uh, looking at searching his baptism record. And he had several siblings. All They were all born, you know, within a certain time period, and they were all in this film. And I noted, I went through uh, chronologically. So the first few that of his siblings, um, I went ahead and I was looking at their baptism records. And right on one of the, on several of the baptism records, um, noted uh, their parents' names. And I was, it said, you know, Don Juan uh, Antonio Fernandez de Cordova, governor of the state, or governor of Nueva Vizcaya is what, what it said. And so that's how I found out that I descended from a governor um, of Nueva Vizcaya. He was only governor for about four years, but um, he uh, was quite, um, it was, he's a quite an interesting uh, man. I found a little bit about him, and so that's kind of exciting. That's great. That's very, very interesting. Yeah. As a matter of fact, some of the documents I found about him, um, he was a military man. Um, I found out his birth date because 
of another website I went to, um, and uh, it's um, the DRSW. Um, that's run through the University of Arizona, and they have a website where you can search their biofile and their master index, and he's in there, and it gave his birth date. It told me where they get that information from. I find out that they have films of documents he's written um, from the archives of Baraz. So I went to University of Arizona, made a little trip, and made copies and pages and pages and pages of in his own writing. Oh, um, great. Reports, uh, anything from the uh, sale of slaves to um, property disputes to, you know, just various kinds of, you know, typical kind of everyday things. But because he was governor, he had to keep track of the Indians and what they were doing and things like that. And I, of course, have his autograph, <laughs> his signature, um, a copy of that. And that, that overwhelms me because, uh, you know, 400 years later, here I am looking at my ancestors' uh, autograph. Oh, that's terrific. That's terrific. You, you had mentioned that you're thinking about a trip to Spain to pursue more information on him. Is, do you think it's really necessary? Is there, is, isn't there information maybe in Mexico City, one of the archives there, that might... You know, that's a good question. I mean, I've been thinking about that because I know he was in Guadalajara. I know, um, I think he was in Mexico City, my, my suspicion. But um, the problem is, is the access. Um, I've tried to do as much as I can online because of the cost and the expense and the like. Um, Spain, of course, I already have the, uh, the DRSW's um, biofile on him. tells the city of where he was born in Spain. Oh. Yeah. So... <laughs> I'm like, wow, well, that's really specific, and I've looked it up. It, it does exist. And so, you know, I thought, well, you know, if I already know where town he's born in, <laughs> it might not hurt too much to find, you know, to find out if they could look up. I mean, I, I, I always think uh, research often takes um, a personal, you have to take a personal hand in it. Uh, letters and phone calls are helpful to an extent, but I find that people are more helpful if you're there in front of them asking for help. And that's the problem with Mexico City and Spain is I feel kind of um, hesitant to write or to call or to, you know, request something online when they may not have the, the uh, you know, maybe they don't have the, the research ability at that moment. Maybe they don't have enough people to help them. Um, sometimes um, they ask for donations. I don't, you know, and I would just rather be there and pursue because many times I find things that people wouldn't find if I just hired somebody or if I relied on somebody else um, to go ahead and do that. That's but, you know, great. it's all a dream. I I'm hoping <laughs> one day to get No, it's a dream that's coming true for you. I mean, look how far <laughs> you've gone. That's, that's terrific. Right. So you've actually traced your way back to Spain and you're looking for information now on his Spain roots. That's great. Yeah. So let, let me ask just one more question and now, Basically, if you were talking to someone that was just starting off right now, mm -hmm. uh, or or maybe they were considering starting off in their research, what advice would you give them? Probably um, two my two main pieces of advice. One, be very organized, even from the very beginning. That was a mistake I made. That I was not organized from the beginning. I. It came upon me in an avalanche, the information. I was making Xerox copies, and I had piles and piles and piles of documents. And because I didn't keep up with it, um, sometimes I would, wouldn't would remember, not necessarily where I got it from, but 
mostly like, you know, what did this have to do with what I was looking at? Or did I have a thought or an idea about it? And maybe at the time I did, but then I can't remember it a year later when I'm looking through my piles. So I would say stay organized, buy your materials. I bought, I ended up buying binders and organizing everything by my family tree. And then just started, you know, include, I bought plastic sleeves and just started organizing everything. Plus keeping track of your sources. I know it's a pain to, I think it's a pain, I know it's a pain to include where you're getting your information from, but I have so many sources now that I honestly, if I looked at something, I could, sometimes I might not remember where I got it. And if I write it down in the program, in the database, then I'm able to look at it and say, oh, I remember now where I got it from. That would be my first piece of advice to someone starting out is stay organized. You think right now you only have a little bit of information that's, you know, manageable, but you may hit the mother load and then things wildly get out of control. And then you're worried about where did I find that or, you know, what did I do with that document? Um, that's, that's very sometimes uh, difficult. Um, the second piece of advice is network um, and, and talk to people, not just, well, people you know, people in your family, ask cousins of cousins because that's what I've done. I've met a lot of cousins either online or through relatives. And I asked people, I started to ask people, you know, oh, you know, are, you know, do you know anyone interested in genealogy or, you know, where did you get this information from? And then they would say, oh, cousin so-and-so told me. And I would say, well, do you think I could talk to cousin so-and-so? And I always use medi uh, you know, mediators, um, someone to go in between. Because often if I just called up, uh, you know, out of the blue, they may not be as willing. But once they know that we're related or once they know that I know someone that they know, Usually, you know, it works out a lot better. Um, That's but great. networking is key and keeping those relationships. Um, um, I'm always willing to do research for someone, and sometimes they're willing to do research for me and or to help me. Or if they see something, they'll say, hey, you know, I saw this, and I'll go look at it, and wow, you know, it helps. Um, so those are the two things of staying organized. Don't feel like you have to know the answers all in one day because, unfortunately, it's not going to happen. But if you stay organized, it can help you um, pursue your lines further back. And sometimes it's tough because I have to, even I have to accept defeat when I realize that I'm not going to be able to know the parents' names. And uh, I have to move on. Um, but yeah, that and networking, joining groups, that's why I joined Ranchos. And I remember, Joseph, when I joined Ranchos, um, you asked me about some bañuelos. Remember that? Yes. You had a bañuelos, and I had bañuelos. And you asked me about it, and I hadn't recognized them, and I, that was, I hadn't even started my research on them oh, um, wow. very much. And your question um, helped me because then I said, you know what, I need to make this a project, and I did. And I finally traced that one document that connected our families together, and then I found out you're my cousin. So Yes, that's wonderful. And I want to thank you for that, too, because it's, it's great. You've introduced me to a lot of Banuelos in Southern California, it just opened up the family tremendously. Right, I mean... Ge genealogy is, is really special to me because it just brings families and roots of families that have been lost to each other for hundreds of years, actually, and brings them together again. Our families have grown multiple ways. I was telling one of the, the group member that I'm related to in 28 different ways, I, was just, I had written him an email, I said, you know, if I walked down the street and I looked at you, I would probably never know you were related to me. 
and so many different ways as well. I mean, I wouldn't have known he was related to me because I don't know him. Our families moved, you know, to the states at some point at different times and different for different reasons, and and lived in different parts. Even in California, lived in different parts of California, and over the generations, we've lost touch. And you know, I I, I now have made I met another cousin. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have done it had it not been for ranchos or for any of the different sources that I've used online or made those connections. Um, there's so many resources out there online, um, so many people now, uh, especially, fortunately, Mexican-Americans who are starting to ask themselves, where do I come from and, you know, what is it about my background that I need to know? Um, many people um, wait too long to ask those questions, and then when they turn around, all of their family's gone, or the people they know are gone, and people who could answer the questions. Even I, um, as much as I asked my grandparents, my grandfather passed about three years ago, and he, it was after he passed that I found a relative of his. Um, we found a cousin of mine online, and I, you know, I always regret. Not not starting earlier because I could have told him, you know, hey, Grandpa, I found another cousin of ours, and he would have been happy to hear it. But, you know, um, I'm just glad that I, I'm able to get as far as I have, and that's only because of the kindness of people. If my, I mean, not even my cousins, I mean, just everybody, if they weren't as kind and generous as they are, I wouldn't have gotten as far, I think. Well, Rosalinda, thank you so much. It was a wonderful story, and Maybe we can get together and have another interview another time, but uh, sure. thanks again. Sure, I'm always willing to help out, um, and, uh, you know, if it weren't for you, Joseph, I don't think uh, the Ranchos group would be where it is now, so thank you for all your, your help. I appreciate it. Okay, well, I'll be talking to you later then. Okay. Okay, good night. Good night. Bye. Well, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed the program. I'd really like to have your comments and thoughts as to who you'd like to hear interviewed. Please send them to http colon forward slash forward slash nuestrosranchos.net or you can send me an email to lafamilia at nuestrosranchos.net or you can leave a short message at 206-339-4134. Until next time, this is Joseph Puentes coming to you for my present, August 19, 2005, to sometime in your future. Make it your goal today to give a little more than you take. Bye. Transmitters!
Lord's 